0: Good morning, and welcome to Calvary Baptist Church in this wonderful time of the season, and especially a great time of worship this morning. If you're visiting with us, as I know many of you are, if you would fill out that visitors' card that's in the pew in front of you and place it in the offering later, we would love to have contact with you, find out uh, if what you're interested in about Calvary, and if you are a Calvary member and you need a word or a a message to get to one of our staff members, if you would put it on that, we would be able to get back to you as soon as possible. We're moving quickly through Advent. We've almost arrived to the end. As we think about our childhood and what we anticipated about Christmas, it probably didn't have a lot to do with Advent. It had to do a lot with what? Something under the tree? Something that we were hoping would be left by Santa or one of his friends. And sometimes the anticipation was fulfilled and we were really excited. And every once in a while, I can remember I wasn't quite as excited because I really didn't get that thing that I anticipated so much, and my behavior kind of reflected that. So as we become more mature, we learn more about Advent, and we start practicing it, and we start anticipating what is God going to bring with, to us and through us during this season? What does the coming of the Christ child really mean? In our lives and our hopes become more clear but the truth is God doesn't always bring us the things that we most anticipate he brings us the things that he needs and we need and my prayer for all of us during this season is that our behavior will not be like it was when we were children and did not get exactly what we wanted, even though maybe sometimes it was what we needed. But we will say to the Lord, whatever it is you have for us, we anticipate it with joy and we receive it with joy. And that's what this Advent season is all about. Now it is time to worship.
1: i earthly. Tis fit, six six-winged Seraph, Cherubim with sleep bless us, their faces to the presence as we cease us for.
2: God of Mary, in Advent you call us to radical faith, but we confess that in the midst of the darkest days of the year, it is sometimes hard to trust that we will see the light. Trust is a funny thing. It is a belief on the edge, so often not too far from distrust. So make us like your daughter Mary, who believed what she was told and was faithful. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen.
3: What hope we
1: hold this starlit night! Our King is born in Bethlehem. Our journey long, we see the light. That leads to the hallowed manger ground What fear we felt in the silent age Four hundred years can he be found But broken by our baby's cry Rejoice in the hallowed manger ground Emmanuel Emmanuel, God incarnate, here to dwell, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, praise his name. crown of thorns would pierce his brow, and we beheld this offering, exalted now for King of kings, praise God God for the hallowed manger ground, Emmanuel, Emmanuel.
4: We often think of Advent as a season of waiting, but it's not a time to sit around waiting aimlessly. After all, God is about to do something completely unexpected in our
3: midst, and we don't want to miss it. That means that as we wait, Advent is a season for us to pay attention, to be fully present to what God
2: has entrusted to us, and to live each moment we are given. Perhaps no one in scripture embodies what is meant to live this moment better than Mary. When the angel Gabriel shares the news that Mary will give birth to the Son of God, I can't imagine everything she must be thinking and feeling. And yet, her response is even more surprising. She says, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word.
5: Mary had no idea what the angel's news would mean for her life, and yet, even in the midst of an overwhelming situation, in which Mary most certainly had more questions than answers, she faithfully and bravely says to the angel, let it be. She steps back and invites God to do what God is intending to do within her. Trusting that God will make a way.
1: Let it be. These are challenging words for us to say, aren't they? We so often know, want to know what's next or we want to change our circumstances. We desperately want control. But perhaps God is calling us to live each moment with a deeper sense of trust in who God is and how God works in the world around us. Today, as we light the fourth candle of our Advent wreath, consider this. How is God inviting you to let it be?
5: Join me as we pray. God, we know that you are our Emmanuel, coming to be with us. We confess today that there are so many moments when we are not with you. There are so many moments when we clamor for control instead of trusting you. May we learn to be present to each moment that you have given us. May we have the faithfulness and courage to let it be, even as we watch and wait and hope and pray for you to come. Amen.
1: come again. Searching and finding, you have always been here. God of the faithful, God of the seeker, The Lord is good, dwelling in this hope that sustains my belief. God of the doubter, God of the seeker,
4: would like to invite all the children to come join me for the children's message. Good morning. Well, today I'm so excited because I want to read to you from one of my all-time favorite Christmas books. What is it? How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, I bet you know the story that the Grinch tries to steal Christmas from the Who's down in Whoville. He takes their stockings, their trees, their decorations, their presents, and he thinks that he has successfully taken Christmas away from them. Let's see what happens. Poo-poo to the Who's, he was Grinchishly humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the Who's down in Whoville will all cry, Boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. I'm having microphone. There we go. So he paused, and the Grinch put his hand to his ear. Can you put your hand to your ear with me? And the Grinch did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, and it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook what he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came somehow or other. It came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, can you march your Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so? It came without packages, boxes, or bags. It came without ribbons. It came without tags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. You know, as people who follow God, we do know that Christmas means so much more, don't we? What does Christmas mean to you all? What is Christmas about? Yeah. What do you think? Why do we celebrate? Being thankful for God's birth? Being thankful for God's birth? Yes. Anybody else, what does Christmas mean to you? What is it about? Yeah. Um,
6: the Lord gave us a family to celebrate, um,
7: a time to celebrate mm-hmm. and to be with your family.
4: Mm-hmm. Charity said the Lord gave us a family to celebrate and a time to celebrate with our family. Christmas is about all these things. It's about Jesus being born as a baby in a manger It's about how God came to the world to be a human just like one of us and to live with us. And it's about a baby who would change our lives and who would change the whole world. You know, kind of like the Grinch, it is easy for us to get so caught up in the presents, the ribbons, the wrappings, the tags, the tinsel, the trimmings, the trappings, that we forget what the season is all about, about Jesus being born in the world to be with us. And when we sing songs about Jesus, our Emmanuel, just like we sang this morning, that name literally means God with us, Emmanuel. And so I want to encourage you and and really all of us to set aside some time this week to remember that Jesus came to be with us, to be our Emmanuel, because that is something pretty special for us to celebrate, isn't it? Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you for the gift of family and friends and church. More than all of this, God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who came to be with us at Christmas. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.
1: Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Creation story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the new Song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their hearts of gold. It's of the earth goodwill to men from hands of gracious King. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angel sing.
5: A reading from the book of Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness
2: you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder.
5: For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as the day of Midian.
2: For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire.
5: For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.
2: His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.
5: A reading from the book of Luke. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you.
2: And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for who who is said to be barren? For nothing will be impossible with God.
5: Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This This is the word word of of the the Lord. Lord.
3: In the midst of all
1: things this Struggle on the news, no peace within Still there is a light in the distance Drawing nearer, drawing nearer So open up your eyes to see your love. Open, Open up, up your arms, deckless, so tightly. Come like a thief and steal our hearts. Like a baby, like a baby, even in the midst of all things.
4: God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O oh Lord, you are our rock, our redeemer, and our Emmanuel. Amen.
3: When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me
4: Let It Be. When Paul McCartney reflects back on writing Let It Be back in 1968, he says it was during one of the hardest seasons of his life. The Beatles were on the verge of breaking up over a nightmare of creative disagreements, business squabbles, and personality clashes, and McCartney didn't know how in the world he would go forward. But one night, he says, somewhere between deep sleep and insomnia, I had the most comforting dream about my mother, who died when I was 17. She had been a nurse, my mom, and very hardworking because she always wanted the best for us. We weren't a well-off family, but my mom was a very comforting presence in my life. When she died, one of the difficulties I had as the years went by was that I couldn't recall her face as easily. But in this dream, so many years later, my mother appeared, and there was her face, completely clear, particularly her eyes, and she said to me gently and reassuringly, let it be. It was lovely. He said, I woke up with this great feeling. It was like she had visited me at this difficult point in my life and gave me this message, be gentle, don't fight things. Just try and let it go and it will all be okay. Let it be. So being a musician, I went right over to the piano and started writing this song. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, Mary was his mother's name, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Later, it became the title of the album because it had so much value to me, he says, and because it seemed so definitive, those three little syllables. Before long, the song almost became like a prayer. We sang it at a friend's memorial service, and after September 11th, the radio played it nonstop, which made it an obvious choice for me to sing when I did the 9-11 benefit concert in New York City. So these words, let it be, he says, are really special to me, because not only did my mom come to me in a dream and reassure me with them at a difficult time in my life, But also, in putting them into a song and recording with the Beatles, it became a healing statement for other people, too. So this is the story that McCartney shares when he is asked about what inspired the song, Let It Be. However, it is also true that over the years, millions of people have heard another story within the song. Within Mother Mary's words of wisdom, they have heard Mary's words to the angel Gabriel in the Gospel of Luke. Because when Mary finds out that she will give birth to the savior of the world, her response to this most overwhelming news is, let it be. And you know, she's not using these words in a naive or nonchalant way. She doesn't throw her hands up in the air and say, okay, whatever you say, God. Instead, she is making a statement of deep trust that God will make a way. So she faithfully and bravely says to the angel, let it be, let it be with me according to your word. With these three little words, Ashley Cook Clear points out, Mary allows God to rearrange her life for the benefit of the world. You know, it's important to note that Mary isn't the only person in the Bible who receives a divine visit like this one, and yet her story stands out in a significant way among the rest. Now numerous scholars have written about the parallels between Mary's story in Luke 1 and many of our Old Testament call narratives, like the call of Moses or Isaiah or Gideon. And in almost all of these stories, we see a similar pattern. We see one. A word of greeting from an angel or divine presence. Two, a startled reaction by the person the angel is visiting. Three, some kind of exhortation not to be afraid. Four, a divine commission or task for the person. Five, an objection or a question by the person. Six, a reassurance of the angel. And finally, seven, a sign to confirm what is happening. And in Mary's story, we see all seven of these elements. One, the angel says, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Two, Mary is perplexed by these words, but three, the angel says, Do not be afraid. Four, the divine commission is that Mary will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will name him Jesus. Five, Mary's question back is, how can this be? But six, the reassurance is that nothing is impossible with God. And seven, the sign is that Mary's cousin Elizabeth will also give birth to a son, even though they believed she was barren. But several things also separate Mary's story from what we see in these other call narratives. For starters, she's not a man, she's not a priest, and she's probably not even considered to be an adult. Mary was likely somewhere between the ages of 12 and 16. There are very few reasons why anyone would expect someone like her to be favored by God, much less chosen to be the mother of God's son. what especially sets Mary's story apart from the others is her response to God's call. For instance, remember when God calls Moses to deliver the Hebrew people from Pharaoh? Moses' response is to hide his face from God, making one objection after another, after another, until finally he says, oh Lord, please send someone else. And when God calls Gideon to take down the altar of Baal and to build an altar to the Lord, instead the text says he was too afraid of his family and the townspeople to do it by day, so he did it by night so that no one would see or know what he was doing. Moses' response to God is cowardly and Gideon's is fearful. But Mary, this teenage girl, is bold and brave. When she says to the angel, let it be, she steps back and invites God to do what God is intending to do within her, trusting that God will make a way. One scholar, Mark Allen Powell, points out that Mary is actually the most Christ-like person in the entire story because her words are a direct parallel to what Jesus will later pray in the garden, not my will but yours be done. In both cases, he says, the ideal response to God is presented as a combination of humble trust and obedient service. Friends, in what ways do we need to echo Mary's words today? How is God inviting us to let it be? Trusting that God will make a way forward even when we cannot see it whole. You see, that's the thing about letting it be. It means relinquishing our control and our plans and instead opening ourselves up to things we might never envision or imagine on our own. As Henry Nouwen puts it, what Mary really teaches us to do here is to have hope. He says that you and I are normally very good at having wishes, maybe very specific wishes even, but not necessarily at hope. Wishing, he says, is wanting the future to go in a very specific direction. I wish my life would look like this. I wish things would end up this way. I wish I would get this job or I would go to this school. I wish this pain would go away. I wish I would get that happily ever after ending. But he says, Mary was filled with hope, and hope is something very different because hope is always open-ended. He writes, I have found it important in my own life to let go of my own wishes and to start hoping because it was only when I was willing to let go of my wishes that something really new, something beyond my own expectations could happen to me. Just imagine what Mary was saying here. She was saying, I don't know exactly what all this means, but I trust that good things will happen. I have hope in you, O Lord, so let it be. And when you and I put our own wishes in the back seat and open ourselves up to hope in what God will do, we may not know exactly what is coming next, but I believe we are always in for a surprise. As Romans 5 reminds us, hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. But it's important to acknowledge just how hard it would have been for Mary to have any semblance of hope. I mean, the vast majority of people were living in poverty at this time, including her. Not to mention the incredible risk it was for a person of Mary's status to have a baby. She literally could have been stoned to death. How might you have hope in a situation like that? As Madeline Lingle once wrote, that was no time for a child to be born. In a land in the crushing grip of Rome, honor and truth were trampled to scorn. Yet here did the Savior make his home. When is the time for love to be born? The inn is full on the planet Earth, and by a comet the sky is torn, yet love still takes the risk of birth. Friends, the beauty of Christmas is that love still takes the risk of birth in this world. That God still takes the risk of being born in each and every one of us. Because this story, this conversation between Gabriel and Mary tells us that from the very beginning, God has always wanted humankind to be part of what God is doing in the world. I mean, God could have chosen to come into the world in so many other ways, and yet God chose to come into the world through a human being like you and like me. And the same is true today over 2,000 years later. God is always coming to us, always paying us a divine house call, always inviting us to be part of God's story. Even if it means it will make things so much more complicated and complex and messy, which it always will. And yet our God still wants to be born in us. When we realize that, Mary's conversation with Gabriel suddenly becomes our own. But then the question becomes, what will our response be? Barbara Brown Taylor says it this way. She says, we have a similar choice in our own lives to say yes or no. Yes, I will live this life that is being held out to me or no, I will not. Yes, I will explore this unexpected turn of events, or mm, no, I will not. You can say no, Taylor says, but you can also rest assured that no angels will ever trouble visiting you again. Or you can decide to say yes. You can decide to be a daredevil, a test pilot, a gambler. You can set your book down and listen to a strange creature's strange idea. You can decide to take part in a plan you did not choose, doing things you do not know how to do for reasons you do not entirely understand. You can take part in a thrilling and dangerous scheme with no script and no guarantees you can agree to smuggle God into the world inside your own body. And if we really agree to do this, if we say yes, if we say let it be, can you imagine what might just happen next? because really these are quite prophetic words. And once we have the courage to say them like Mary, I believe we are never quite the same again. I believe our world is never quite the same again. You see, unlike Moses or Gideon or some of our other Old Testament heroes, God allowed Mary to have the last word in her story. Here I am, Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the next thing we know is that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. May it be so of us, Calvary. Let it be. And when the night is cloudy, there is
3: still a light that shines on me. Shine until tomorrow, let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. be. There will be an
4: answer, let it be. And so God, I ask this morning that whatever situation we are facing, may we have the courage to utter these three words. God, let it be. Even if it's not what we want, not what we had planned, not at all what we had expected. God, help us to live as people of hope. But even in the darkness, We cling to the light that is shining, and we say, oh, God, let it be. Amen. Friends, the promise of Advent is that Jesus is coming to be with us, God with us, coming to break into our world and into our lives, just like God broke in as a baby in a manger so many years ago. And so the question is, what will our response to God be? If you'd like to talk with one of our ministers about what it means to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to following and walking with Jesus, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary. Maybe you want to say yes to becoming part of our faith community here at Calvary. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary to receive you and pray with you as we continue in worship.
1: Sure. with you, you shall not bear a child. His name shall be called Jesus, God's offspring from on high, and he shall come. Your child shall be God's child
6: This moment has been our theme this Advent. It's a call to live here and now in the space and the time and even the body in which we are. During Advent, we celebrate the incarnation, the arrival of God into space and time and even into a body in which to live and to breathe and to grow.
4: Today during communion, we remember that in choosing to live on this earth in a body, Jesus also made himself vulnerable to death, even death on a cross. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus clearly understands that his death is imminent.
6: And yet Jesus continues teaching.
4: Continues healing.
6: Continues serving.
4: In every moment, Jesus embodies a life given over to the people in front of him.
6: And he calls us to do the same.
4: And so in anticipation of Jesus' birth, in celebration of Jesus' life, and in remembrance of Jesus' death, we come to this table to taste and see God here with us in this moment. And so we come to the table, remembering again how the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, "'Take this and eat. "'This is my body, broken for you. "'Do this in remembrance of me.'"
6: In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, "'This cup is the new covenant in my blood. "'Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. "'For as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread.'" You proclaim proclaim the death of the Lord.
4: Friends, you are invited to come to this table. Come and receive strength for the journey, even as we wait for the light of Christ to come. Calvary, it is my joy to introduce some—sorry, we're kind of scrambling over here. There we go. It is my joy to introduce you to a family I hope you have met over the past few months, um, Shauna and Scott Hamby and their daughter Jo Ellen, and they are here uh, to officially join the Calvary family. We are so excited to have them. Uh, Shauna is a wedding planner, and um, I've seen beautiful photos of some of the weddings you've done, and has already started using her gift for that in um, helping us at church, and was a big part of the beautiful decorations we see here and already stopped me this morning and said, so hey, what about the next series, how can we help with that? Um, Scott is a veteran and works at the VA and also works as a Division II college uh, ref and works with middle school and high school refereeing as well. And Jo Ellen is passionate about theater and choir. She is a ninth grader at Midway High School. Um, we are overjoyed to welcome y'all to the Calvary family, and I love the many ways that you've already plugged into what God is doing in this place. I think Shauna has ministered to us in some really key moments through your music. I know Shauna and Scott were part of a small group this fall, and Joellen has jumped right into the youth group, and I know they they love having you. So Calvary family, we have some words that we would like to share with uh, Scott, Shauna, and Joellen this morning. In response to your decision... Ourselves to be the family of God for you in this place. We offer you our love, our care, our kinship, and our hopes. We hope to learn from you, give to you, and receive from you by God's grace. So, Shauna, I'm going to let you take your place with the choir, and then Scott and Joellen. Y'all are going to be with John, and I know that people would love to, to greet you all after worship. And Shauna and I will sneak out after the Messiah so that y'all can all stand as a family. And Tankersley's, would you all be willing to meet us out in the Welcome Center after worship and to help introduce people to them as well? That'd be great. A few more, yeah, y'all can go out with John, a few more announcements as we go. First, as is our tradition, we are singing Handel's Messiah today, and if you um, would like to sing with us, we would love to have more voices, right? So just, I mean, what is it, Price is Right? Like, come on down. Hey, there we go. I love it. <laughs> Got a few more. <laughs> awesome. Also, um, today is a day when we receive the Samaritans Fund. That's a fund that goes toward emergent needs in our community and in our congregation. We have received so many requests lately. Um, Okay. We've received so many requests lately um, that that fund is is down to zero. And so we really appreciate your generous giving today that will help us uh, start the new year in a good place and to be able to continue um, to support those needing assistance. Um, Also, I hope you remember our Christmas Eve service, Tuesday at 6 p.m. It is always my favorite service of the year at Calvary. Hope you'll be here for that if you are in town. Next Sunday, worship will be at 1045. We will not have Sunday school and there will be no extended session. Um, If you are heading out of town this week, I just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas um, and love celebrating the Advent and Christmas season with the Calvary family. Jordan Tucker, thank you so much for being here today and for leading us. Jordan got a call at about 9 a.m. and stepped in to lead the Hallelujah Chorus, right? Um, But that is such a gift to us and especially to Randall so that he can be with, with Brenda this morning. So thank you.
6: resist we are fearful and in response your words come through to us do not be afraid may we heed those words and trust your enabling trust your protection may we rest in you and now as we bring our tithes and offerings I pray that you will move us to be generous with our money but also generous with our lives May this be a call to answer you in a strong and positive voice. Whatever you ask, Lord, I am your servant. I am yours.
4: As you're going today, a reminder that today is the last day of the love your youth fundraiser that is helping our youth prepare for Passport Camp in North Carolina next summer. Thank you so much for giving generously to support our youth. I also want to invite all of you to my house this afternoon for a church-wide Christmas party. It is come and go from two o'clock to five o'clock. We will have lots of food. We've got some crafts for the kids, games in my backyard, and really, it's just a time to be together as the family and enjoy the season together. Uh, my address is in the worship folder today and I really hope to see a lot of y'all there. There will be no Sunday school the next two weeks. Uh, we hope that our faithful Sunday school teachers, volunteers, childcare workers can all enjoy a slower pace on Sunday mornings during the holidays. And last, I think we all want to say a huge thank you to our intergenerational choir. They have been practicing and preparing for today since maybe September. Randall's probably been thinking about it much sooner than that. Um, Your music has truly helped to lead us in worship in such a beautiful way. Um, Thank you especially to Van Chaney, Chad Houck, Austin Harris, all of our guest musicians. And a very special thank you to Randall Bradley. We know this has been an incredibly difficult season for you, and yet you continue to inspire all of us to worship wholeheartedly, to sing ourselves into believing as we wait for Christ to come. You mean so much to the Calvary family, and know that all of our love is with you, Brenda, Isaac, and Hannah, in the days ahead. The choir is going to lead us in our benediction as we finish worship today.
1: I was a seeker For light in a dark world I looked for truth But settled for lies I had been blinded I couldn't see Till a star in Bethlehem's sky Open my eyes I have seen the light Shining in the darkness Bursting through the shadows Delivering the dawn I have seen the light Whose holy name is Jesus His kingdom is forever He reigns on heaven's throne There in a manger, an innocent baby, who could believe that he was the one? I can believe it. I know it's true. He is the light. He is God's Son. He is God's Son. I have seen the light shining in the darkness, bursting through the shadows, delivering the dawn. I have seen the light Whose holy name is Jesus His kingdom is forever He reigns on heaven's throne We must tell the world what we've seen today in bethlehem he's the promised king we bow down and worship him we will worship christ the king i have seen the Lord Shining in the darkness Bursting through the shadows Delivering the dawn I have seen the light Whose holy name is Jesus His kingdom is forever. He reigns on heaven's throne. I have seen the light of Jesus. I have seen the light of the Lord. I have seen the light of of Jesus. I have seen the light... I have seen the light of the Lord.